Tennessee's been bit by the injury bug here of late, limping to the finish line of the regular season. Who will be a go for Vanderbilt? Who will not? That and a whole lot more. It's Tuesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Lockdown Vols. It is your team every single day. Appreciate you being here. Shout out every day. Here's making Lockdown Vols your first listen every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can always find me on Twitter at underscore Kaner on X at Lockdown Vols. And uh, today is your show, every dayers. When you get to take over the show, mailbag questions in segments two and three. Uh, Josh Hopple's Monday press conference, the big news out of that. That's what's in store for us here on a Tuesday Lockdown Vols. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. A lot of injury concerns for the University of Tennessee, and unfortunately, the Vols lost another starter here at the end. Javante Spragans is not going to be playing anymore. Sprague's will be out uh, the remainder of the, the season, um, and uh, unfortunate injury. A guy that uh, pours into his teammates, has great energy, competes extremely hard, plays really hard, continue to get better as a player, and uh, you know, disappointing for him, certainly. So Javonta Spragans is out. Of course, your, your tackles, you know, John Campbell and Gerald Mincy didn't start. They were technically available in an emergency situation. Of course, you saw Gerald Mincy go in and play the last eight offensive snaps when Dane Davis went down. Dane Davis left the uh, left the stadium on Saturday night with a walking boot. Gerald Mincy's got a legit knee injury, um, and he's been dealing with it all season long. I just still don't agree with him, you know, being... <laughs> What's that say about your depth at tackle? Now, again, I know we're talking about four or five tackles right now, and Tennessee's been really bit by the injury bug. But what's that say about those young guys on your roster that um, you had to put Gerald Mincy in, who you were trying not to play in that game? Um, I just completely don't agree with that. But anyway, Tennessee's injury riddle to the offensive tackle position. Josh Heupel said he hopes that Gerald Mincy and that John Campbell can play on, on Vanderbilt week. So we'll see as the week goes on, obviously. Uh, Javante Spragans is going to be out. We'll see about Dane Davis. He was asked about the secondary. Um, he says that Jordan Thomas and Tamari McDonald, they hope to have them back. Of course, T-Mac, the plan was to play him last week, but I got the no-go in warm-ups. That happens. And uh, he also said it's more questionable uh, for Wesley Walker, but I do not anticipate Wesley Walker playing in this football game or the rest of the season. So no time like the present, right? Dante Thornton's out for the year. Brew McCoy's out for the year. Andre Carrick's been banged up for a while. I mean, it's football. Game doesn't feel sorry for you. Uh, but hate that for Javante Spragans. He's obviously one of Tennessee's better offensive linemen. Also, Tennessee Vanderbilt will continue to break down Vanderbilt as the week goes on. But it's going to be senior day. Large senior class for the University of Tennessee. What did this group mean for Josh Heupel? And how do they plan on honoring them on Saturday? Well, I just think the as a senior, it, it hits you and it hits you, you know, in the face really quickly that uh, it will be your last time inside of that stadium. And uh, it's a really special group of guys um, that have been through um, some uncertainty uh, during the course of their program chose to stay uh, when I arrived, a lot of these guys, and um, have been instrumental in, in helping, uh, you know, turn the culture and, and turn uh, our program around. Um, it's a special group, how they've performed, uh, but also just who they are as people. I'm uh, really proud of them. They'll have a ceremony prior to the start of the football game on Saturday for Senior Day, as they always do. They'll get to run through the tee themselves, take pictures on the field, and that's going to be a big group. Um, there's like 20 plus guys that could come back if if wanted if they want to. 
Um, it's going to be a, a very difficult December because uh, trying to close out the semester, student, you know, grade-wise, practicing for whatever bowl game you're going to be in, trying to finish off the 2024 signing class. The transfer portal window is open. You're going to be recruiting that, and of course, hosting you know guys out of the portal as well, trying to trying to sign to, uh, for your for your you know the, the season coming up next year. And then you're going to be have guys determining whether or not they want to come back and utilize that that process. So it's going to be a huge process. The month of December, I do not envy any college football coach. It is brutal. And uh, Josh Hopples asked about that whole process on those seniors trying to decide will they come back or won't they come back. Well, I think at the end of the day, guys got to be uh, ready to make the decision. Um, Either either way, right? Um, and uh, if you try to you know rush or pressure them into that, um, you know they end up in a situation where they maybe make the wrong one. At the end of the day, you got to be where your feet are, and I'm talking about for the next calendar year. And uh, so you provide information to them. Uh, some of it takes longer uh, as you're trying to gather NFL uh, information for those guys too. Starting next week, I will try to compile a grand list, if you will of uh, guys who could come back, who technically have eligibility. I know you guys have uh, have asked about you know certain players from time to time, and I've done my best, but there's a lot of them, and it could really change the course of, of your 2024 football team. I mean, it really could. I mean, just an example, on the offensive line, tons of guys could leave, tons of guys could come back. I don't think it's going to be one way or the other, probably a mixture, but, I mean, technically, Gerald Mincy has eligibility. Technically, John Campbell has eligibility. Technically, Javante Sprague and Cooper Mays have eligibility. Technically... Omar Norman Lott, Bryson Eason, Amari Thomas, um, Tyler Barron, but I expect Tyler Barron, that's the one I expect to go ahead and go to the draft. Um, there's just a lot of guys all around. That's something to pay attention to, obviously, as the month of December goes on. I uh, was asking about Jalen Wright's kind of his usage, and obviously he's just, let's see here, he is 60, or he is, he is 62 yards away from breaking the 1,000 uh, marker. He's the, leading the FBS in 7.1 yards per carry on a minimum of 100 attempts. He needs more work. <laughs> I'll continue to say that, but Josh Hopple was asked about Jalen Wright, and he had a chance to brag on his his RB1. Well, for him, just his growth as a, as a player, uh, the work that he's put into it uh, to be in a position to uh, obtain that, um, you know, I think is important to him. Uh, he probably wouldn't say that if he was up here, but uh, I certainly would say it for him, um, you know, and, uh, you know, proud of, of a young guy that, um, you know, when we got here was a, a fast kid that just tried to run around everybody. Now he's got great patience, great vision, and still has the home run speed to take the distance. Again, I love the room. That's one thing I was right about. I wasn't right about many things this football season, but um, I was right about the, the running back room being one of the best in the conference, being one of the deepest in the conference, and not just the conference, but really the Southeastern Conference, or the, uh, you know, college football overall. Um, I love Jabari Small and Dylan Sampson. I love the three-man, you know, backfield. But Jalen Wright needs more run. There's no excuse for him to get the first two carries of the game and then not to see the field until the final drive of the first half. Just inexcusable, in my opinion. Um, it's just really, really weird. That's something they got to really work on in terms of self-scout. And then finally, Vanderbilt. Uh, didn't say a whole lot about Vanderbilt in his Monday press conference. A lot about the seniors. A lot about the loss to Georgia. But obviously, Tennessee's got a game coming up, need to finish the right way. Who is Vandy, and what does Josh Hopple say about Vanderbilt? Yeah, um, listen, they've had two weeks of preparation, opportunity to get healthy. Uh, this is an in-state game. Uh, this is a big game for, for them. It's a big game for us, too, and um, we need to go finish it. you got to play physical. you got to win at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I, I just mentioned it. we got to win some one-on-ones in this one, too. 
lot of coach talk there. <laughs> but uh, I will say this on paper, and again, it's why you play the game. And Tennessee scored a combined 17 points in the last two games, had a combined two touchdowns by its offense in the last two games. Been outscored, I wrote it down here, the 38 to 38 to 10 and 36 to 7 the past two games. I mean, Tennessee's in no position to look, overlook anybody, and I get that, but man, Vanderbilt is bad. Started 2 0 with wins against Hawaii and Alabama AM, and then have lost nine straight. They're 0 7 in SEC play. Um, I, I had my first glance piece over VolQuest.com last night. It's just not a good football team. We'll continue to talk Vanderbilt as week goes on, but not a good football team. Tennessee really needs to come out and finish the season off on, on the right foot, and, and I think they're going to be able to do that against a team that is just not very good. Hey, when we come back, again, everydayers, when you take over the show, that's next right here on Locked On Vols. First, I want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That is why you want to be 100% certain that you have the best access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I put my resume online at LinkedIn Jobs so many times throughout my, you know, college years, young adult years. You know, I still consider myself a young adult. But as we try to gain that job, that stepping stone or our dream job, maybe you have that. Maybe you're a small business owner, but you need help. You need help running your company, but someone that's obviously qualified that can help you, but someone you can trust. You can find those people at LinkedIn Jobs. Using simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and then ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. You can go ahead and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back into your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you for being here. Appreciate all the subscriptions here lately on the uh, Locked On Vols YouTube channel. Um, making a big push. We, we've done a lot of damage here the last couple of days, and I appreciate you guys. If you're watching, listening right now, and you haven't subscribed to Locked On Vols YouTube channel, I encourage you to do that. Helps me out so much. Trying to set some goals here. This one's lofty. This is the biggest goal I've set. Trying to get to 10K by the end of this week. We're a little over 200 away, guys, so we have got some work to do. We are so close to 10,000 subscribers on the Lockdown Vols YouTube channel, and it's all because of you guys. If you haven't, please subscribe. That is the goal, 10K by Vandy. Let's see how close we can get, and hell, let's see if we can pass that. I really, really do appreciate you guys for, for supporting the show. All right, it's your time to take over the show, Everydayers. We'll start with Adam for the mailbag questions. The coaching decisions this year have become concerning, cannot be ignored. Poor play calls all around, playing injured in quotation marks, offensive linemen in a blowout, weak game plans, week 12 problems are the same as week three, playing to not get blown out too bad. Did this team improve this year? Thoughts? Um, They improved in their pass rush. It's not been as consistent as you want, but they definitely improved in their pass rush. They improved in running the football. Tennessee's always been a good running team, but... Tennessee took a step and, you know, was among the nation leaders and, of course, the conference leaders in running the football. At times when the pass rush has been there, I feel like the secondary has been better. But, again, it's all tied in and you don't have enough playmakers in the back end to overcome, you know, having to hang out in man coverage for a while, you know, you know, dropping deep in your zone and going to find your man. So I think, I think punting, <laughs> punting has definitely been better this year. I know nobody really wants to hear that. Um, I think in certain areas you have gotten better, but I mean, I agree with you, man. There's been very questionable decisions. Fourth down, call, remember the Alabama game, going for it on fourth down a couple of times. 
I've voiced my displeasure with Gerald Menzi going in that football game down four scores in the fourth quarter of a blowout. I do not think that that was the correct move. Um, Weak game plans. Again, I think Tennessee has a plan of attack. I just don't think Tennessee's made the proper adjustments as the year's gone on offensively and uh, definitely defensively. So, yeah. Uh, And then also to your point about not getting blown out too bad, why are we kicking field goals down seven scores in the fourth quarter? I just don't get it. Each of the past two weeks, that's weak in my opinion. So, Adam, I agree with you, man. Has this team improved some in areas, but overall, no. I mean, and and, and I thought that Tennessee would take a step back offensively, thought Tennessee would take a step defensively, and in certain areas, that is the case. Um, but overall, no, this team has not improved in my opinion. Um, do want to share this quick note. This is from Jordan Moore. Saw this on Twitter. He's uh, a personality over there at, at Fox Sports Knoxville. Uh, he said Josh Heupel's offensive touchdowns in conference games as a head coach. And I, I wrote a lot of, I read off some stats to you the other day about second half touchdowns and about Dylan Sampson usage and Jalen Wright usage. Um, and here's another good one. This is from Jordan Moore again. Josh Heupel's offensive touchdowns in conference games as a head coach. 2018, of course he was at UCF, 44. 2019, 43. 2020. 45. Remember, 2020 was a shorter season. At Tennessee in 2021, 36. 2022, 45. And in 2023 so far, in 11, let's see here. The season's not over with yet, but in conference touchdowns, offensive touchdowns, 16. 16, just not a good number. Not a good number whatsoever. I thought that was uh, interesting, and I wanted to bring it to the show here. It's in my bookmarks. That's why I went ahead and read it. Um, because it was next up, and we'll get back into the mailbag questions here. Uh, Ben says, hey, Eric, in the fourth quarter, Small took a run and then was visibly shaken up after getting up. He he banged on the side of his helmet to sub him out, tapping his head repeatedly. It's uh, now third and eight, and he's needed in pass pro. Why does Josh Heupel prioritize the system over player safety? You know, I went back and and, and watched the game, as I always do, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I I mean, he might have been banged up. I'm not going to say that he was hurt. Um, I just know that running backs, we see it, we see it with Jalen Wright all the time, you know, when they're used and used and used and you have drives that are not three and outs, you know, they get tired and, and they tap and they know they have the luxury of two other guys sitting over there ready to go. And so we've seen that all year long. We've seen Jalen Wright tap a lot. And I know exactly what you're talking about with Jabari Small. So I wouldn't go to say, why does Heupel prioritize the system over player safety? I'm not comfortable in saying that's what he was doing because I don't know if that was the case. Jabari Small didn't look hurt. I'm not saying he wasn't. It. I just assumed he's tired. Um, and for whatever reason, they kept him in there. Um, again, tempo is a thing, too. It's hard to sub on offense. And sometimes you don't get a substitution whenever you want it. All right, let's go to Hypel's Hype Man, VFL. How do you think the loss to Georgia affected the recruits that were on hand, their mindsets about Tennessee moving forward? I can't speak for every recruit, but every interview of, of guys that we've talked to over at BallQuest.com, I mean, a lot of the same things kind of like, well, yeah, it's Georgia. Everybody loses to Georgia. That's what George McIntyre said <laughs> pretty much verbatim. <laughs> Georgia, yeah, everybody loses to Georgia. Sure, you want to put forth a better product. I get that. You know, getting blown out at home in front of a lot of pr- prospects, you know, it can go one of two ways. They can say, oh, do I really want to be about this? Are they really trending in the right direction? Or it can go, man, they need me. I can play as a freshman <laughs> uh, potentially, you know, and whether they do or don't is, is another conversation. But I honestly don't think when you're so far along in this recruiting process and you've been to these schools so many different times and you have relationships with these coaching staff and everything, and now 
you know, the NIL opportunities that are out there for future use. I just, I don't think that one specific game plays a huge role into it. Now, on the flip side, I don't know for certain if the Alabama game last year, the Florida game last year, you know, was a reason why that prospect committed to Tennessee. But I mean, th- those are good. And you got to say that that game you know, probably helped their chances a little bit. So anyway, good question there. Let's go to Randy. Randy said, who would be your biggest disappointment from this year's team in terms of expectations going into the season? Mine would be Ramel Keaton on offense, Aaron Beasley on defense, and the fart and the skillet on special teams. <laughs> Always enjoy listening to the show. Randy, I appreciate it. Um, Dante Thornton would have been this answer, but Dante Thornton started to turn it around a little bit before his injury, and you hate to see that. Ramel Keaton is a good one, and, and I mentioned something that I was right about earlier. I'll tell you something I was wrong. I understood going into the season, and you guys remember me saying on the show, I understood that what you lost in Jalen Hyatt and in Cedric Tillman, Princeton fan at the tight end. I thought the wide receivers would be would be fine. I really did because what you saw from Ramel Keaton, you liked everything you heard. And guys, I know I say this all the time, but I promise you the the conversations over there at the practice field and everything over there at Tennessee is this dude, Dante Thornton, is an NFL guy. Fast, long, explosive, route runner, hands. And it didn't translate to that until eventually, you know, he still hadn't gone off. Don't get me out. He's not broken out, but he was turning around there towards, you know, the, the, the his injury. But anyway, he was slow. He didn't have the year he wanted. Ronald Keaton has certainly not had the year that he wanted. Squirrel White's been fine. I don't think Squirrel White needs to be the focal point of your offense. Um, you know, and then Brew McCoy, unfortunately, got hurt early on. So, yeah, the wide receiver room altogether would be a huge disappointment. Of course, Joe has something to do with that as well. Ramel Keaton's a good one. I will go... I'll go Ramel Keaton, too. Because, again, I, I thought Joe Milton would play better. I did not think Joe Milton would do anything remotely similar to what Hendon Hooker did last year. So if you're in that camp, then the easy answer is Joe Milton. Um, I thought Joe would play better, okay? I thought he would play better. I did not think that he would be elite. I just never thought that. I thought Ramel Keaton could be one of the best. I, I thought Ramel Keaton was the best all-around receiver on this team, and it's been a little disappointing. Defensively, is a good one. Aaron Beasley started off the season hot, and he had a better game last week, but he sizzled a little bit. I think he's banged up, man. I think he's been injured all year long, and... and um, you know, just fighting, gutting through it and, and being out there because you have no depth at linebacker. That one would be a little bit tough, but I think Aaron Beasley's a decent one. I would probably go and say Danico Slaughter, because I thought Danico Slaughter would go off this year. I truly did. Randy, good question. Uh, let's go to Aaron. Got a couple more and then we will uh hit some more on the uh segment three. Aaron says, Does Wright come back or for one more year? Or does he take a shot towards the NFL now? and leave it to Samson, Selden, and Bishop. You know, we'll see. That's one that we'll have to find out. You know, Jalen Wright's not a senior, but Jalen Wright is a junior. And as far as running backs goes, you want to go. Um, and he doesn't have a whole lot of tread on the tires, so that'll help him out a little bit. I just think, as what we heard from Josh Hopple a moment ago when we were playing his clips in segment one, getting feedback from the NFL, you know, maybe he has a round in his mind. If he's getting feedback like he's a third rounder, maybe he goes. Second rounder, maybe you go. If he's a second rounder, you need to go. Um, he if he's here in day three, you know, late round undrafted, maybe he comes back. You know, we'll see. I would assume that he's gone. That's my assumption right now, but I do not know, and we will see. Um, 
that's something to watch for sure. Uh, Aaron continues to go on, not going to lie. Even with a 75-yard rushing touchdown, I'm honestly not even mad with the loss against Georgia. I'm now looking forward to Nico next year and experience Webb, Nimrod, Thornton, and Davis. Excited to see Mike Matthews and Nico do work. That said, does Wright come back? Okay, yeah, I answered that. It was a two-parter. Um, experience Webb, Nimrod, they got tons of experience. Thornton's got tons of experience. Davis, Ethan Davis, man, I can't wait to watch him play, but he has not experienced whatsoever. Last question here before we hit segment number three. This is from Noah. I saw a stat showing this is Heupel's worst offense he has fielded since as far back as his time at Missouri. If this is the worst statistical offense we will have under Heupel, 8-4 and four with a potential 9 after the bowl, it's a great season. It's a good way to look at it. Um, and, and again, I'm going to do a deep dive into Heupel's offenses. I did a little bit of it last offseason, but during the offseason, I'm going to do a deep dive into Heupel's, like here in December, a deep dive into the offenses under Heupel as a play caller going all the way back to Oklahoma um, and see kind of where this stacks up. This has got to be one of the worst. I mean, Tennessee is not a top 10 offense in the country. This would be the first time, at least as a play call and a head coach, that he's not had an offense in the top 10 in the country. Um, but when you look at it that way, finishing 8-4, and four, and again, you don't want to root for 8-4, and four, but remember the 2011s, 12s, 13s, 14s, the 18s, 19s, twenty twenty, when you were just, just starving for winning football. Okay, I'm not trying to say this is consolation, but get in that mindset for a moment. Worst offense under Heupel in quite some time, maybe ever. Eight and four, chance at nine wins in a bowl game. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, Noah. A great way to look at it. More of your questions when we come back. I do want to tell you about our friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is a great sponsor of the show. It's the largest daily fantasy platform in North America. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS, that's Daily Fantasy Sports, it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. It's it's totals, guys. Hit the over, hit the under. That's what this is. And you, you have a combination of, of two to six players, and if you get them all right, you can win up to 25 times your money this football season, and now you can include basketball season as well. Um, you can go with... Um, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specialist from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo for three-pointers made plus receptions. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. Uh, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college. I lost my place there. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Your first time, they're going to match you up to $100. There's not a lot of places they're going to do that. I'll tell you I'll tell you what, and you can do that over at pricepix.com. Again, promo code is locked on college. We got a final segment left here of your Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls. Every day is your mailbag show is here. We got a lot to get into. I'm going to try to speed through these because I know I always miss some every week, but I do my best to try to work through as many as I can. This is from Kolb. Kolb says, uh, when, does a head, when does the head coach make the decision to start the backup simply to provide a spark? Not even talking about Joe versus Nico necessarily. Or maybe I am. Joe's draft stock as our starter is what it is. Um, I don't think it gets any better versus Vandy. At what point does Josh look at his offense and say, damn, this is one of the worst I've had. Time to make a change with absolutely nothing to lose. Um, I understand that mindset. I do. I promise you I do. From a whole, 
You know, Joe Milton started out hot, SEC Player of the Week in Week 1. Virginia's nothing, I get that, but he had four total touchdowns. Had a bad game against Austin P. Um, didn't play well against Florida. Was so-so against UTSA. And and then he started then he started improving a little bit, right? I mean, he was bad against A&M, right? And then I believe South Carolina, he was better. Alabama, he was better. Kentucky, he was good. And so we, it's kind of like he turned the corner. So it's like... At that point, you're definitely not making a change. And then, and then the last two weeks are here. He was really bad against Missouri. Then you're not starting Nico against the number one team in the country. You're just not. He was bad against Georgia. And then I just don't see that ever happening when it's senior day here. I want Nico to play. I've, I've been on record. I've said it plenty of times. I think Nico should play a couple series against Vanderbilt. You know, the plan should be to play Nico a couple series against Vanderbilt. Series three, series six, you know, whatever the case is. Um, I doubt that'll happen. We'll see. Hopefully, Nico gets in there in a blowout. Hopefully, but uh, I expect Joe Milton to be the starting quarterback on Senior Day here at Tennessee. And um, you know, Tennessee should beat the crap out of Vanderbilt either way. So I understand where your mindset is. I truly do. I just, again, I still don't see it happening. Trevor says, uh, "Help me keep my faith in hype." Well, I'm not saying he should be fired. He's not. That's not even a thought right now. But this season has shown some concern for me from questionable play calls to substitutions lack of game plan changes when things go south to misses and recruiting i'll admit i don't follow recruiting closely so i could be wrong please just tell me that next year will look more like 2022 than 2023 yeah i kind of talked about this a moment ago trevor um i mean i hear you i'm intrigued to see how 2024's class closes you know, jordan seaton was on campus roger uh Salia punga was on campus huge um and a couple other guys Boy, if you if you can get Jordan Seaton in this class, oh my gosh, that would be just massive. No pun intended. Um, I don't know if twenty twenty four is going to look like twenty twenty two because you had a second year player at quarterback who was then an elite quarterback. You had all those dynamic playmakers. Could any of these guys step up and be elite and dynamic playmakers? You know, we'll see. Um, you are going to be breaking in a new quarterback, just kind of like you were this year. I still don't know kind of what the line of scrimmage is going to look like until some of these seniors decide if they're coming back or if they're leaving. So I don't know, man. I hope, I hope 2024 is is, cl more, is closer to 2022 than it was to 2023. But hell, I'll take the run game in 2024 to be exactly like it was in 2023. Would like to, be, you know, run better at Florida, you know, run better at Alabama, um, you know, still run a little bit better against Georgia. But I'll take this run game again in a heartbeat. Man, we'll see. Um, I, again, Hypel's had some questionable things this year. I recognize that, but I'm with you. It's not even a thought. I mean, you are, as a Tennessee fan, you are so lucky and so fortunate, in my opinion, to have Josh Hypel here um, as your head football coach. All right. Let's go to VFL Ash. To me, it's obvious they do not trust Joe Milton to run the offense. This is not Josh Heupel's offense, but man, I'm sitting there, and no joke, my 11-year-old sister says, here comes the screen, and what do you know? A screen for two yards? I mean, everyone knows it's coming. Why do we not try something else? I understand you don't trust Joe to chuck it down the field much, but um, there has to be something else. I'm not sure what to, how to feel about this offense. It's just so bad at the moment, so predictable. We have nothing to lose. I don't feel like we are taking enough chances. Uh, they took some chances um, against Georgia. They threw it down the field a couple of times. Um, a couple of times I feel like the receiver should have made a play. Two times the receiver was interfered with that it wasn't called. A couple of times Joe Milton missed. So they took their chances. It's just, man, it's just, it, you're right. It's it, it's predictable. It's not working. I feel like you adapt your play calling to your skill set. 
And I don't think this is a skill set as, as a group that Josh Heupel's just comfortable with. I, I truly don't. Uh, something else to add, again, from VFL Lash. Maybe it just isn't not trusting Joe. Maybe it's the fact that the receivers cannot create some space to get open. They can sometimes, but for the most part, the guys aren't like Jalen Hyatt where they're wide open. And more than not, there's nowhere for Joe to even throw the ball. I don't know. Just thought of this. Yeah, again, the answer is yes. The question, what is it? Why isn't this offense as good as 2022? Is it the quarterback? Is it the receivers? Is it the offensive line? Is it the play calling? The answer is yes. I swear I think it's a combination of all that. But again, at the end of the day, it comes back to the quarterback position. We know to win football games at a high level at this stage, in this Power 5 Conference and Southeastern Conference football, you got to have good quarterback play. And for the most part, again, he's not been horrible. This has not been the dreadful years of the Dormities and the JGs and, and some of those other quarterbacks that have been here. But for the most part, it's just not been good enough in comparison to where you were last year. So I get that. Braden says, as a fan base, we need to move on from last year. We constantly make comparisons to debate this year's team to last year. <laughs> I was just doing it right there a moment ago. I feel as if this year's team never stood a shot because they just lived in the shadow of last year's squad. Each year is a new team. So many moving and interchangeable pieces and factors that go into it. It felt like these guys were walking on glass, afraid to make some mistakes. Some may disagree, but that's my take. No, I get that. I think that's a really good take. Um, it's like filling in for a successful quarterback. You know, Joe Milton was never going to be Hendon Hooker. Um, you hope that Nico can be better than Joe Milton. But, you know, the first time Nico has an incompletion, the first time Nico throws an incomplete pass, just like this year when I said the first time Joe Milton throws an incomplete pass, the first time Joe Milton throws an interception, they're going to be saying, Nico, Nico. The first time Nico does that next year, they're going to say, we're paying all this money for this? We're wasting all of our resources for this? You know you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just never going to be good enough. And, when you are so successful, the, the the standard changes, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just kind of it just kind of is what it is, and so I understand that mindset. You want to be appreciative of where you came from. You want to replicate some of that stuff, but you're exactly right. Each year is a new year, and you got to make it got to make it your own. Let's go to Drew here. All right, Drew says, wasn't it apparent that Hypel was fed up in his post game press conference? You also can't tell me that Nico could play any worse than Joe. Okay, yeah, we talked about Nico a little bit. Um, as far as hype on his press conference, I got the impression from that press conference that he was just defeated. Like, at Missouri, I got the impression that he was pissed off at his team. Against Georgia, I feel like Josh Hopple knew what was going to happen. You knew your squad. You know Georgia. Just kind of is what it is. And so I felt like he was just, just kind of defeated after that. And... He wasn't mad. I mean, he wasn't happy. He was, you know, he was frustrated. He's a winner. He's a competitor. But I just feel like he was defeated. So I wouldn't say, I mean, maybe maybe that interpretation is the same thing as fed up. Um, I just felt like he was a little defeated in that in that situation. All right, we're going to we're gonna have to burn through these. We're going to have to pick them up, put them down. <clears throat> I want to get to a couple more here uh, before the end of the show. All right, this is from Tyler. All right, let's start the conversation. Who, if anyone, needs to be packing their bags from this coaching staff? Do we simply not have the dudes on the field, or do we need to be looking above them uh, for the problem on defense? <sighs> the only coach that is not on a multi-year deal at current standing is Willie Martinez. Last year, Heupel extended his coaching staff. He gave a raise to everybody. The only person he didn't extend was Willie Martinez. So we will see um, what kind of comes from that. Um, you know, as, as far as that's concerned, you know, we'll, um, I, I don't see, I mean, unless Tim Banks gets a head coaching job, I don't think he's going anywhere. Joey Halsey's not going anywhere. 
Ellerby's not going anywhere. Rodney Garner's either going to retire. He's not going anywhere. Maybe Ryan Jean-Marie, who I think has been really good. Maybe Jerry Mack. Those guys could look for other opportunities, but um, I, I have no indication that they won't even do that. So, you know, we'll see. That's something to monitor. Bruce says, uh, I'm going back to my question last week about depth. Coach brought it up in his uh, after the game in his press conference, but he didn't elaborate. Do we have quality depth? Or is it like Butch years where there was a drop-off is so huge our second string would be comparable to Georgia's third and fourth string? Secondly, can the, can the team get up for Vandy? They weren't up for Missouri. Tennessee needs to show up. I do think Tennessee can show up for Vandy. It'll be senior day, last game at Neyland Stadium. The environment's going to be great. And more than anything, Vanderbilt is just so, so bad. Never want to overlook your opponent. I get that. And Tennessee can't overlook anybody after the last two weeks. But Vanderbilt is so very bad. So very bad. Um, to your first question, depth. A lot of people are talking about, well, you're playing walk-ons. You're playing walk-ons. Dane Davis at tackle is a scholarship player now. He came to Tennessee as a walk-on. But, I mean, we're talking about all these tackles that are that are injured and you have – uh, there's not a lot of depth there whatsoever. So, like, Dane Davis, in my mind, is not a walk-on anymore. He's a guy that's played a lot of football in this system. Will Brooks, literally, Tamari McDonald couldn't go. He was going to play. Couldn't go. Jordan Thomas gets hurt on the first, like, three plays of the game. And then after that, I would like to see Brandon Turnage slot over to star. Maybe Danico slaughter to star. I don't get all that. Will Brooks goes in and plays a whole, t- a whole game. He is a walk-on. And, sure, he got burned. He wasn't great in this football game. But he was not the, not the reason Tennessee lost. Um, in terms of depth, it's st- you still got a ways to go. It is much better, in my opinion, than where you were during the s- some of the Butch years, to answer your question, some of the Pruitt years. But you still have a long way to go because look at Georgia. I mean, Lad McConkey didn't play in this game, and, and, and they won 38-10. to 10. Uh, Brock Bowers was in. I mean, I know he played a lot, trust me, on third downs. But, you know, Oscar Delp has been really good for Georgia in place of Brock Bowers. It's plug and play. You know, C.J. Allen steps in at linebacker and outside of play number one against Tennessee. He played pretty well. Was the SEC defensive freshman of the week last last week, you know, prior to Tennessee. So you look at their backups and then you look at Tennessee's backups. There's a difference there. I don't think it's a huge drop off, but it's certainly not where it needs to be. Okay. We got four more. I'm at the 34 minute mark, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to go. You might hate me. Some of you guys might love it. My bosses at Locked On are going to be pissed that it's so long. My guy, Roba22, would Joe consider opting out of the bowl game to focus on getting ready for the draft? We will see. That's a good question. Um, and Not just for Joe, but for a lot of players on this team, if, if you're going to leave. If Jalen Wright goes to the NFL draft, is he going to play in the bowl game? I don't know. You know, We'll see. That's a good question. That's something to monitor that we don't have the question to right now. I think a lot of fans would love that so Nico could get the whole experience of being the starting quarterback and all that. So we'll see. All right. Uh, second part of the question: What needs to happen for this program to take a step back up? Up, take a step back up next year. Ninety percent of those who can come back all come back. Find better team leadership. Redshirt freshmen take a huge step forward. Coaching changes, upgrades at a spot or two. Maybe all of the above. Maybe all of the above. I mean, certainly I feel like, and I'm not in that locker room, but I feel like you can have better leadership. And so, leadership for me would be one of the first ones I talk about. And yes, especially on the line of scrimmage, all those guys, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, you know, some of these other guys that can come back, if you like to come back, that'd be huge. Uh, Steve Har's Music said, I like to submit a mailbag question, but I'm too busy covering the middle on third down. No one else seemed to want to do it, so I'm lending a hand. That's not a question, but I wanted to get it in the show because that was funny. 
<laughs> that was funny. Of course, the middle of the field is wide open on third downs defensively. Vol fan in Georgia says, chances we see Nico this week and in the bowl game since now a red shirt can be used regardless. Uh, yeah, so again, uh, bowl games don't count. Nico's played in three games. So if he plays in this game, that'd be fourth. You can still redshirt. Um, yeah, uh, you know, we'll see. I, um, you know, it depends on if Joe Milton opts out for the bowl game. I've said I would play him. I think Joe Milton's going to start, um, but I would, I would have a plan to get Nico in there in a couple of series. That's just my opinion. So, um, I don't think Tennessee wanted to redshirt him all year long. I truly don't. I mean, he was the backup quarterback. I just, for whatever reason, there just wasn't an opportunity to get him in a whole lot of times. And then finally, okay, Drewski's asking about the, you know, movement on the defensive coaching staff is clear. Rodney Gardner and everyone else, something has to give. Yeah, again, I mentioned Willie Martinez last year of his current deal. We'll see what happens. And again, Rodney Gardner, he will retire or he will be here at Tennessee. Ain't nobody in their right mind going to get rid of Rodney Gardner. He is a stud. Sure, people can say, well, he doesn't recruit well anymore or whatever. Um, Rodney Gardner is, in my opinion, one of the best defensive coaches and defensive line coaches in America. So, yeah, that's uh, Rodney Gardner is going to coach or Rodney Gardner will retire. Josh Heupel will not remove him, in my opinion. All right, I think I got all the questions that were submitted to me by the time of this recording. If I didn't get to your question, I do apologize. Continue to send them in. I maybe will hit them the rest of the week on the show. I'm already like five minutes past time. I'm going to get out of here. Every dayers, thanks so much. Push to 10K. Let's get it done on YouTube. And hey, let's be back here tomorrow, guys. Appreciate you. This is Lockdown Balls.